I'm Tim Kittrow, and you're tuned in to the Important Nonsense Podcast with Steve Bonham. Attention, Alan Hearn's mom. His knee is better. <laughs> you can stop worrying. Neil Smith. Even with the concussion, as long as he's cleared, probably don't have a better option. Jack Kavanaugh. Raheem Mostair, as I would like to call him. And Jason Draven. Nah, man. Just let's watch some football. Boom shakalaka. Welcome into the Important Nonsense Podcast. I'm your host at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh. And friends, I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe you've been living under a rock, but football is back, and you absolutely love to see it. So with the return of football, it's the return of the IN Weekly Preview Show, but that means it's time to say hi to my co-host for the 2020 season. It's unfortunate, but hello, it's at that FF nerd, Jason Draven. How you doing, Jason? Have you slept at all this week? Very little, actually. Uh, FLA. Not surprised. Yeah, man. The Fantasy Life app has been blown up. We had our first game. It was amazing, but everybody has been showing up and trying to help out, and we'll see if they can survive with me on Sunday because it's going to be rough. So It sure gets hectic. I've been there for a Sunday start-sit session, and oh, it is quite crazy. And yeah. so with that, Jason and I will be here with you late every Friday night or early Saturday morning to recap the Thursday game break down the news ahead of the Sunday main slate, and we're going to toss in a little bit of Monday Night Football just for some of your more important start-sit decisions. So without further ado, Jason, how about you do your job for once and let's get started. So oh, brief- no. <laughs> Shots fired. So Chiefs beat the Texans 34-20. to I'm sure everyone that's listening to this watched it last night, but in case you didn't, we're going to start with KC. So before we get into this, I'd like to say Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, they're adorable best friends. This is what the world needs right now. And I'm not just talking about the show of unity and their collaborative efforts off the field. Those are amazing enough. But when Watson ran out of bounds, sat on the bench, and they had that little cuddle puddle there, wholesome AF. So just had to get that out of the way. The world needs some more positivity like those two best friends. Yeah, unlike the negative. It was pretty funny, man. I, I thought that was hysterical. And, you know, when you're the highest paid quarterbacks in the league, it's hard not to be buddy-buddy, right? Exactly. The world needs more positivity like that rather than the negativity that exists between the two of us. In other news, Patrick Mahomes worth every penny of that deal, but for some reason they just ran Clyde Edwards-Hilaire into the ground. That was weird enough. But anyways, Mahomes completed 75% of his passes on the way to 211 passing yards, three TDs, 20.44 fantasy points. But it was actually Watson who outscored him, even though it didn't really look too nice in the box sheet. And that's because Konami quarterbacks are essential got to have that rushing upside, chase that rushing upside. So Watson completed 62.5% of his passes for 253 yards, had a touchdown, had an interception, but he got bailed out by a rushing score as well as 27 rushing yards, 20.8 points on the day. Who were you more impressed with, Jason? Well, I mean, it's tough for Watson because he doesn't didn't have cooks. I mean, he was out there for a couple of snaps, but it's just one of those things. But it's hard not to be impressed with Mahomes. He's just so talented, and it's annoying that he has to have a perfect life and all this money and it's just just not fair i I don't understand how it goes but he's super impressive and has a bunch of talent around him that will definitely help some human beings are just born perfect and that's just who patrick mahomes is so i don't understand why they didn't use him more and i do understand that the chiefs were in positive game script but they ran the ball a ton 25 carries for clyde edwards hilaire 138 rushing yards but it's a breakdown that's really interesting to me so when there were six men or fewer in the box, the Fresh Prince of Hilaire, 10, for, 10 rushes, 96 yards. That's 9.6 yards a carry and a score. So that was fantastic. On all his other rushes, he was, had 15 carries, 42 yards, and he was 0 for 6 on the goal line. So just a random fun fact to throw in there, Le'Veon Bell only had six goal line rushes all of last season. So it is pro- promising he's getting those opportunities. However, yeah, weird you're, split You're there. missing the whole the best part of this whole story. He went 0 for 2 on receptions. And when the ball was thrown to him, he got hit. Like, not just kind of hit. It looked like a solid. Like, I was worried he was going to fumble that because it looked like he had actually caught it. But it would, just blew me away to see that happen. And again, looking at his schedule ahead, he has the Patriots. Probably not going to have the Hicks men in the box a whole lot. They're probably going to have more. Their uh, Bills is another one that are probably going to have more. I wouldn't be surprised if the Chargers have more. It's just, if they have the good pass rush, which Houston, wow, that line is something. J.J. Watt. 
JJ yeah. Watt just dominated. <laughs> he has they have one player, my bad. <laughs> yeah. But, so. but that that defensive line is not the best. <laughs> and no, they showed definitely. it. Yeah. No. Anyways, Cl- Clyde Edwards Hilaire was not the only running back to have success Thursday. And so after trading DeAndre Hopkins for a fourth. The Texans got David Johnson and a second, and they were completely flamed. I was one of the people flaming them. I did not like the move at the time, but it turns out he is not washed. So he turned 11 carries into 77 yards in a score. But let's be real, that score was nasty. So can we expect more from David Johnson going forward? Oh, absolutely. They barely even used him in the passing game. I mean, it was enough to be effective. I think he had like three for 34 yards, which is pretty solid considering he's quote-unquote, washed, but he has that great vision. He was able to make an awesome cut that I was super impressed with in that small hole, which was something that CH wasn't getting. He wasn't able to find that small hole. He was getting huge holes because they were just able to push the Houston D-line around, but it was just one of those things that you can definitely tell the difference between being a rookie and being a mature back like David Johnson. And we do have to emphasize, too, David Johnson was tied for second on the team in targets with four, so we would like to see more because that we are used to seeing that out of David Johnson. However, it was still a good day, and Duke Johnson left the game in the first half after five carries, 14 yards, and he had zero receptions on his one target. So the backup's Buddy Howell. He didn't play a snap. That's a practice squad running back, Scotty Phillips. So this is telling me that Duke Johnson's probably going to go on the three-week IR and it's going to be David Johnson's job fully because they're not going to play these other two running backs when you have David Johnson. So I am very excited for David Johnson going forward. Yeah. I mean, so you clearly saw David Johnson, CH, and Daryl Williams. Who do you like this year out of those three? Do you think there are, is there still treads on the tires of David Johnson? Or, oh, I mean, absolutely. I was wrong about that. There's absolutely still tread on those tires. At that undeniable. You, after watching that last night, however, I am still going to say Clyde Edwards Hilaire, but it's close. It's very close. And I and that all relies on Edwards Hilaire. We know he can catch the ball, so it relies on that him actually doing that. And we are projecting that, and that's why I have him a little bit ahead of David Johnson. But with Duke Johnson out of the picture, he is going. David Johnson is going to be quite a steal at his fourth, fifth round ADP. Another player that looks like a steal after week one, and he always does after week one, classic Sammy Watkins, led the Chiefs with nine targets, caught seven of them, 82 yards and a score. But the unfortunate thing, he only had 21 and a half PPR points. Last year in week one, it was 46.8. So Jason, Sammy Watkins has at least 25 points left in him in a, in a big game. And that terrifies me. I have no idea when it's going to happen. It's like just like you're sitting there waiting to be slapped. And you know what's coming, but you don't know when. So what do you feel about that, Ted? Jason. Just mean. But I I completely understand it. He also, he shows up the most random times. Like, he showed off during playoffs. He showed up in the first game. I just really think when Hill isn't wide open and they're not needing to throw to him, it's just one of those things that you don't know who's going to be. Whether, is it going to be Watkins? Or do you think it's going to be Demarcus Robinson? Or... Nicole Hardman. I mean, you never know who's going to be. So it's kind of just a shuffle deck outside of Hill, Kelsey, and CEH, I guess, at this point, which is, kind of makes me want to hurl a little bit. But we'll keep And moving. to round out, round out the Chiefs, we also had Travis Kelsey, who caught all six of his targets for 50 yards and a score. That was 17 PPR points. And we had Reek Hill catching five of six targets for 46 yards and a score. But flipping over to the Texans receiving core, it was all about Will Fuller. It was the Will Fuller show 35 and a half percent of the team's targets is staggering what was your takeaway from the Texans wide receiver one do you think that's sustainable or was it based on Brandon Cooks well I think it's a little of both because I do think Fuller looked really good he had enough targets he was very effective with each one of his targets I'm a little upset he didn't get a touchdown and I'm really mad that he missed that last catch because I feel like that would have put him over the 20 point mark and I think we would be a lot more happy with him but again I do think that it was partially the fact that Cooks wasn't there to help kind of pull off more coverage to go further downfield or to be uh, potentially a short area guy who's able to burst up. Because I didn't see Fuller really getting away from any of the defenders. And I do think that's due to the fact that Cooks wasn't out there enough. 
very fair point. They don't have that typical alpha that's drawing the coverage his way. And Will Fuller has become the default wide receiver while Brandon Cooks is clearly bothered by that quad. He's still tied for with David Johnson for second on the team in targets with four, but he only caught two for 20. He could really see it. Now he's got 10 days off to heal. So we're just really hoping that he rebounds from this. My big question though, where the hell was Randall Cobb? Where did he go? Who knows? I mean, he made two solid catches on three targets for 23 yards. But again, you know, it's just one of those things. When you're in that position, you don't know where you're going to be. With all with Cooks not being there, I felt like he didn't really he was probably moving in and out and I just that makes me so worried for a player that is definitely more of a dominant slot guy. Well, and so it really did seem like he was not on the field. We were kind of looking for him. We were talking, but we were both wrong. He ran the most routes on the team. He had two more routes run than Will Fuller. And it's good he's getting the playing time, but is it more concerning that he's getting the playing time without targets? Is this a week one thing? Is this something to watch going forward? We really don't have the answers. We're just going to have to keep watching. Texans get the Ravens next week. Other than that, the most disappointing fact of the night, Jordan Akins is the one who scored the Texans' lone receiving touchdown. And he helped nobody with it. Very disappointing. He and Darren Fells both caught two. Both unusable in fantasy. And that's it from our Thursday Night Football recap. Once again, no matter how things went for your fantasy team, I hope we are all united in agreeing. It is fantastic to have football back. So pumped. So, so pumped. We're going to move on to the news, though. Ryan Fitzpatrick, official week one starter for the Dolphins. Two is on the injury report with a hip, though. Kind of sketchy, but actually not really. So fear not, friends. NFL rules state that any player who gets a specific treatment on a specific body part has to be on the injury report. So yeah, 10 months ago, he had major surgery on his hip. Is it surprise he's still getting maintenance treatment on it? No, not really. It's a non-story. He's going to take over. He's healthy enough, but it's Fitzmagic magic show for now. Moving on to the Chicago Bears, Mitchell Trubisky is the week one starter. Not exciting at all. And Jason, I have a question for you. I really, I should be posing this to Stephen Neal, but they're not here, unfortunately. So question for you, what's more painful? The fact that the Bears gave a pick for Nick Foles, who cannot beat out Mitchell Trubisky, or the fact they could have had Jamison Camp for the minimum salary and kept the pick? Which one hurts more? Well, I mean, it's clearly the fact that they can't, they didn't get Cam. That, I think, is the biggest frustration for anybody, because I think he would have been awesome on this team. But, Stunt. yeah, it, it just is horrible but when you're looking at it i mean it's fine to have trubisky there i think it's going to be great for you know the consistency he has that connection with alan robinson and they still have miller and this week i also think with david montgomery having some issues i'm a little nervous for him so i'm looking at potentially using cohen more and him being worked in as a ppr monster like usual i think he ends up with a pretty decent score at the end of the day yeah, and so to summarize that, I'm not usually big on Tariq Cohen. However, big on him this week, especially with Montgomery out. Hashtag free Cordero Patterson, though. I really hope he gets the carries, and I hope they do use David Montgomery sparingly. I am excited to see him get back on the track and play on the field, though. Keep an eye on everything with that offense, though, because it's – or don't. Really, you should probably not keep an eye on it because it's a terrible offense. It's not fun outside of Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. Moving on to something even less fun, Joe Flacco has been cleared for limited practice. So this is his first practice following neck surgery, and he's going to back up Darnold when, when healthy, and he's hopefully going to teach him how to draw PIs on underthrown deep balls. Really, and that just doesn't help our fantasy team. So thanks, Joe. And our final piece of quarterback news, Marcus Mariota to the injured reserve with a pec injury. What a weird career he has had. Derek Carr's job is completely safe for now. So anyways, that quarterback news was absolutely terrible i'm bored to tears i'm gonna go grab a coffee wake myself up after that because i'm going to need some energy to do these running backs receivers and tight ends justice they deserve anyways enjoy the soothing sound of the voice of steve bonham at nonsense underscore steve and we're back thank you for that steve moving on with the news alvin kamara and aaron jones are reportedly closing in on a new deal with their respective teams meanwhile dallin cook is not a threat to hold out so we just have some exciting running back play coming up on sunday agree jason Oh, absolutely. I mean, I was really hoping that Kamara would have his deal, so he was set and ready to go. But with the hopes being there, I'm hoping he's going to play. I, If not, I, of course, always have my handcuff Murray there when people are deciding whether or not they're going to hold out. Same thing with Cooks. I mean, 
I know he's not a threat, but it's just one of those things that still just makes me cringe with how Gordon ended up and it all that just makes me so nervous. But you know, Jones it's having not the a deal. time to be ner- It's not the time to be nervous, Jason. It's the time to be excited. It's week one. Week two, we can get nervous again. But for week one, we're excited. And speaking of excited, Kenyon Drake was not listed on the Cardinals' final injury report after being in a walking boot to end camp. Wheels are up on Kenyon Drake against a 49ers D that he rushed for 177 yards against in two games last year. 5.7 yards a pop, touchdown on the ground. Also 10 receptions, 65 yards. He performed against San Fran last year. I think he can do it again. Cardinals have gotten better as a team. He's ready to take off. Yeah, I'm just more curious to see if it's going to be a split with Edmonds or not. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being like a one-two punch just because they both weren't healthy last year. I mean, he came in pretty much as Edmonds got hurt, so and they just sprinkled him in occasionally, so I wouldn't be surprised. With the coach speak, I always take it with a grain of salt, but... Last year, he wasn't great at running the ball, 3.3 yards per carry, had 27 attempts in his best game, 126 yards, two receptions for 24 yards. He wasn't able to score in that game. And again, like I said, grain of salt, it was against the Giants. So take that out for what it's worth. Very fair point. However, I do think there are it. I think the town is big enough for both of them in Arizona. And speaking of town being big enough, In the opposing backfield, Tevin Coleman is going to decide how much and if he plays at all on Sunday due to the poor air quality in California. So Coleman has a sickle cell trait, and that's caused many players to miss out on games in Denver because of the altitude and the air quality. I don't think anyone was really playing Coleman with confidence anyways. He's kind of more of a handcuff. Start Raheem Mostert with confidence. Yeah, I mean, first off, hate the fact that the fires are going on in California. Breaks my heart. I mean, that's that's my home state, so always give them love there. But I don't have that much confidence in Mostert just because, again, it's a backfield that really puts up numbers, but you never know who's going to be. I'm hoping it's Mostert. We haven't even seen Jarek McKinney, who's still back there. So just one of those things that kind of keep in mind and why I am so nervous for the San Francisco running backs with Shanahan, who seems to hoard them like crazy, and all of them have way too much talent. I mean, we're not even looking at Jeff Wilson. and. I thought there was a player you liked on that team, right? Who, yeah, Jermichael Hasty, but he's on the practice squad. Oh. We'll talk about that. <laughs> it hurts, Jason. It hurts. <laughs> However, I, I do agree with you in your overarching point. I'm just, with Tevin Coleman be kind of being questionable, I'm in on Raheem Mostert this week. And speaking of being questionable, but me being in anyways, Miles Sanders questionable after having a limited practice every day this week. So, obviously, he's going to be on the injury report when he's missed, or he's had missed part of practice every day this week. That's just how... It works. It's what you have to do with the injury report. I'm still going full send on Sanders. They would have added a veteran running back if they were concerned. I'm saying they're just resting him up. All systems go for Miles Sanders. Whoa, you forgot about Boston Scott. You know, he's probably going to slide I did not. In. No I did not forget. There. No love there. A perfectly oh, great we're giving, running back. We're giving, love to the, we're giving love to the healthy player. Boston Scott has his own role. He does not affect Miles Sanders. He plays the Darren Sproles role. It's independent of the actual running back, Jason. I guess we can go with that, but you just have to remember he's there, never. especially since their targets, I have no idea where they're going to go, so I can see Scott having quite a few here. No, absolutely. No disagreements there. Just I'm offended that you thought I forgot about Boston Scott. I would never forget about my friend there. Anyways, another healthy guy, which we love to see as always, Melvin Gordon off the injury report with his rib injury. Who's going to be the back there? Courtland, yeah. or, uh, Philip Lindsay or Mel- Melvin Gordon? I mean, I think you have to start Lindsey, especially with all the negative really, reports. Really, starting him? I'm not starting him on my team. I don't have any shares of Lindsey or Gordon actually, because this whole thing just scared the bejesus out of me. So, okay, so are we just fa- we were fading both these players then? Oh yeah, is, I'm yeah okay. I'm I'm not. I mean, even with Sutton, the only player I'm really hyped about now is Jerry Judy. I am so pumped. Let's go. It is always exciting to see the shiny new toy finally take the field. Speaking of the shiny new toy finally taking the field, DeAndre Swift back to practicing in full off the injury report. You absolutely love to see it. However, I buried the lead there. Adrian Peterson now on the team, and he will get 18 carries for the Lions this Sunday. It's going to be 56 scoreless yards. You heard it here first. Matthew Stafford's going to sling it. I'm going to be disappointed because they're obviously, it's the Lions. They make weird decisions. They're not going to give DeAndre Swift too many carries because they're going to be worried about him coming off that injury. And they're just going to feed Adrian Peterson. But we are going to see a big play from DeAndre Swift in a big flash. 
But what happened to carry on my wayward son, Johnson? I'm so confused. AP doesn't know the system. Okay, but so you you realize the reason they signed Adrian Peterson is a direct indictment on carry on Johnson, right? That's It's because they don't trust him. Yeah, so can I play him off my waiver wire? Can you play carry on Johnson off? No. Oh my God, <laughs> you, we're going this. Uh, I, <laughs> what about moving AP? On. Can I play AP? Moving on. No, don't, don't, no. Stay away from the <laughs> Lions backfield this week. Moving on, Jason, you infuriate me as always. So Damian Harris was placed on the injury to reserve and will miss at least three games. So the Patriots signed rookie jitterbug out of Arizona, J.J. Taylor, a.k.a. Dion Lewis II to the active, active roster. He could be active for all four – or sorry, all four of those running backs could be active on game day. Sony Michelle, the nominal starter, he's going to be eased back into that role. And according to reports, we're going to see quite a bit of Rex Burkhead getting carries as well. So, Jason, what does this mean? Oh, you know what this means. James White is going to be the player you want. Give him all the carries. <laughs> no, I'm actually really nervous because I'm kind of, I like Burkhead because he will, you think he's going to steal the touchdown, but I think Cam's actually going to be the one stealing the touchdown. So I'm a little nervous with that on, <laughs> on my head now with Cam being there. I'm just, uh, makes me uncomfortable. Oh yeah. Here, here, here's the thing with Cam. He's going to throw for 300 yards and he's going to rush for two scores. You love to see it. Yeah, that that just it makes me too nervous. I I I I can't. We can't co-sign. <sighs> nope, nope. I I I love I love Cam, but I I want to see him back. I mean, that's that injury is just not something that I'm comfortable with. Liz Frank is oh, it's a monster. Anyways, moving on. Bruce Arians has said that Leonard Fournette only needs to know thirty percent of the playbook to be able to contribute on Sunday, and apparently he's already there. Ronald Jones listed as the starter. LaShawn McCoy's the backup. I'm not starting any of these backs this weekend. They are, do have a tough match against, matchup against the Saints defense. We all like do forget about that. But this is Fournette's backfield by week three at worst. He's already going to get snaps. He's probably going to get about nine to ten carries, I imagine. Love to see it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're expecting him to be kind of the Rex Burkhead. He's going to come in and just push through the O-line and score. I mean, that's kind of what I'm looking at for this week is that he finds the end zone at some point. Gives a ends up being a second half guy that you hopefully are buying cheap or bought cheap. You hope because everybody's so down on him except for us. So I'd buy him if you can and run with it because he might lead you to a championship. In other news, or sorry, speaking of Bruce Arians, throwback to the mistake he made. He cut Dario Gubbole. In other news, he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars. This comes along with Raquel Armstead going on COVID IR and Divine Zigbo has gone on IR with a hamstring. So both are going to miss at least three games. James Robinson's the starter. However, we do have Dari Gubuale as the pass catcher and effective runner. He was getting goal line carries at the end of the season last year for the Buccaneers. So if anything happens to Thompson, Dari is once again the guy and probably the best running back on the ready roster already. Totally worth the 18th round best ball picks I used. Stand by that. Anyways, James Conner on question bell cow. Jason, I know you have something to say about this. Yeah, I've been super pumped for Connor. I'm glad that he's getting this chance, and I kind of brought it up, but his career has kind of looked like Dalvin Cook's. He had a year off due to injury. I think he comes back strong, and with Pittsburgh being able, such a defensive team now with Minka Fitzpatrick there, I would not be surprised to see them use him a lot when they get up and just run. So I'm super pumped for him. I think the game strip, especially for this week, helps him off to a solid start. Yeah, the difference between James Conner and Dalvin Cook is Dalvin Cook's actually athletic, though. So anyways, moving on to Washington, J.D. McKissick listed first on the depth chart. This means absolutely nothing, though. We already knew Antonio Gibson's not going to be a pure bell cow. He's not going to get 25 touches in week one. He's, J.D. McKissick's going to have a role. He's going to be involved in the pass protection, and he's going to catch a couple passes. But make no mistake, Antonio Gibson is the RB1 in Washington. There's no disputing that. Yeah, and I mean, the reason I'm really not worried about Gibson is because they don't have any wide receivers. And being the fact that he was a wide receiver in college, I could see him doing that in the pros and being able to line outside and catch some passes because outside of McLaurin, I don't know what they have anymore. So it's not something I'm looking at, but Gibson seems to be a weapon that they can use, and I'm hoping that they use it in the passing game. Completely agree with you there. Speaking of J.D. McKissick, McKissick's former coach, Pete Carroll, hinted that they will ride the hot hand between Chris Carson and Carlos Hyde. But I think we all know Carlos Hyde can't get a hot hand. He's not a very good running back. 
Anyways, Mark Ingram was named a starter for the Ravens, which comes as no surprise. But what's really surprising, RB2 Gus Edwards, RB3 Justice Hill, and RB4 way down at the bottom is J.K. Dobbins. I'm not worried about this, though. So for starters, Justice Hill didn't practice at all this week, so he ain't playing on Sunday. Second, the Athletics' Jeff Zrebeck laughed this off, and I've been a Ravens fan for years. I trust what Jeff has to say, and he says that J.K. Dobbins is going to be featured early and often. Mark Ingram's the guy. Don't be surprised when J.K. Dobbins has 100 yards on, like, seven carries. Yeah, and I mean, with that in mind, it's, again, I C.H. had a great night, but I'm still waiting to see how they use these players in these roles behind proven mature backs. Like, I don't know, Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins are great, again, pairing, but I think that they're going to use Ingram to be do majority of the hard stuff and the things that you need to try, have a back in that you trust because, you know, big trust. Let's go. It all goes back to what you said about Rex Burkhead. He's just going to mix in there. He's going to get a couple carries. He's going to be in for designed carries that just change the pace. But it's perfect. Perfect role for him early in the season. And in a similar move, we have Cam Akers listed as the RB3 behind Malcolm Brown. He's the starter, and Darrell Henderson, he's missed a month of practice. Apparently he's full go, and now he's RB2. Are you worried about Cam Akers in week one? Yeah, I'm worried about everybody in that. I mean, that whole yeah. backfield is ugly. Yeah. Not want to touch it. I mean, if you have to, like, for example, you have, I don't know, somebody who didn't show up or whatever. A bunch of people are on the injury report. So I can see him being a flex and hoping that he catches passes and finds the end zone because I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. So I see value yeah, I'm, there. I'm still saying don't flex it. I understand what you're saying, but I'm too scared. Don't do it. Oh, I get it. It's just one of those things. But if you have any other choice, for example, Hunter Renfro is available in a lot of places, I would do that. So Yeah, I, I absolutely. I You made a good point, Jason. doesn't happen too often. I'm surprised. Anyways, moving on to something you'll be happy to hear. Justin Jackson listed as the RB2 on the Chargers depth chart, but he's expected to, and he's expected to be fine. He missed some time with a hamstring injury, but Joshua Kelly may have just booted that door down, stolen the job from him. So it's a battle to watch as the winner's going to be flex viable every week, if not an RB2 and possibly even an RB1 like Melvin Gordon used to be. Who do you have in that battle? Yeah, I mean, long-term, it's definitely going to be Kelly just because all the hype surrounding him in Hard Knocks, he looked great. So it's just one of those things. But, man, again, Chargers are already charging. You know, they're starting to get hurt. Derwin James being gone. Uh, It makes me so sad. Oh, come on. That was not bad. (laughs) <laughs> uh speaking of bad however Le'Veon bell looked bad in the training camp reports were care about about him all summer he's listed as a starter i'm not surprised at this you kind of seemed to be you thought they were going to list frank gore as just a little shot didn't you oh yeah i thought this would give bell the smack in the face he needs but you know gates just likes to mess around with people i mean i i also assume because again not a whole lot of healthy targets there he could wind up as a wide receiver and catch a ball. So wouldn't be surprised if him and Gore actually both get out there and one line, well, Bell will line up as a wide receiver. So I think, again, yeah. Gore will be the goal line guy, which makes me even more annoyed because I know Gase loves him so much, and it, I, I just want Bell to have it so bad. So stay away is what I'm hearing. And in our final piece of depth chart news, A.J. Dillon is the RB3. Who'd have thunk it? Uh-oh. Aaron Rodgers praising Jamal Williams up and down the board, but he's also praising MVS. So who the hell knows what's going on there? Man, those thighs. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Jason. Anyways, in our final piece of running back news, Raymond Calais was stashed on the Rams. He was signed off of the Buccaneers. And Jason Huntley was signed by the Eagles off of the Lions. Those were both drafted players that ended up making the team later in the draft. And a player that wasn't drafted, Rico Doddle, he made the Cowboys as the RB3. So these are all players to watch deep in Dynasty. And remember that we will be having Dr. Dynasty back on the show on Sunday. Moving on to the wide receiver news, DeAndre Hopkins got paid this week. Also, Keenan Allen got paid last week. Well deserved for both gentlemen. You absolutely love to see it. Hopkins teammate Keyshawn Johnson will miss some time on COVID IR. He will miss at least three weeks. Some disappointment in Tampa Bay. Mike Evans is doubtful for Sunday with a hamstring injury. And if you remember, 
That's what ended his season last year. So the Buccaneers used a doubtful tag once last year, and it was on offensive tackle Donovan Smith, and he didn't play. So this league, Scotty Miller and Justin Watson have become kind of intriguing guys in really deep leagues and in DFS. Chris Godwin's a wide receiver one on this week, though. Absolutely. Dispute, Jason? Yep. Well, I mean, you know, Justin Watson was the guy who was there last year, but again, went to Scotty gone. Miller. I know, Scotty but was there too. Watson was the one who really showed up for him. So I'm curious, and I, Brady has said, had talked up more Miller than Watson. So just something to kind of keep in mind. Oh, absolutely. And so some sad news out of Denver as well. Cortland Sutton day-to-day with a sprained AC joint. So for those of you that don't know, it's the acromioclavicular joint. And it's what attaches your collarbone to the top of your shoulder blade. Extremely painful. I've never had that. But this is the injury that Mike Williams currently has. So the team's expecting him to play on Monday night, him as in Cortland Sutton. I'm kind of worried. I would make alternative arrangements. Mike Williams has missed three weeks already. Cortland Sutton, uh, I don't know. It's a tough call, especially with that Monday night game. I'm avoiding it. In other news with the Denver Broncos, OKJ Hamler is back to practicing on a limited basis and sprinting and cutting full speed. But what do you think about Cortland Sutton, Jason? Yeah, well, I brought this up in our chat. I mean, we were all talking about it. Everybody went to collarbone. And again, I thought it would be similar to the, what Williams has, which is, is usually a four-week injury but he can't play more than likely you take a shot to his arm to get that to happen but like you said definitely pivoting to somebody else because it's so early there should be plenty of options available yeah and speaking of mike williams he's a game time decision with that ac joint sprain so sunday will be exactly three weeks post injury and it's looking like he's gonna miss this week or at least that's what the reports are and he's gonna return in week two so that'll be exactly four weeks from him let's hope it's less than that for Sunday. A player I am extremely worried about, Kenny Galladay, is also doubtful with a hamstring, just like Mike Evans. I'm not expecting him to play. Thankfully, it's a 1 o'clock kickoff. We're going to know with plenty of time. But if Kenny G misses, Marvin Jones to the moon. Yeah, I I completely agree. Jones is going to blow up this game. And, you know, I also going to bring it up because it's there. TJ Hawkinson said he's healthy. Could be a nice plug and play for you if you're looking for tight end this week. Yes, sir. Let's go with that Lions love. Also, Danny Amendola is being limited all week with a hamstring injury, but no one's playing him anyways. He is expected to play. The big takeaway, though, what could we be seeing from Wisconsin Badger, fifth round rookie Quintez Cephas? He is ready to make an impact, in my personal opinion, and in the opinion of Dr. Dynasty. He's been hyping him for months now. So, PSA from our very own at dynasty phd dr don john chancy get him on your dynasty roster asap the window is closing i i agree man he's somebody to watch and i have to believe in john chancy here because he is a doctor brilliant man brilliant man trust your doctors Deontay Johnson missed Thursday's practice with a foot injury, but he did return on Friday. He's been limited all summer. Ben loves him anyways. He's raving about him, which is surprising. He usually doesn't like his rookie receivers too much, but they still haven't had time to develop that chemistry. I'm a little bit worried about him, especially with that Monday night game. I'm going to fade him. I'm going to try and start someone Sunday instead. Yeah, I agree completely. I mean, again, it's one of those things that I hate is injuries in the feet because it's stuff that takes usually being off your feet for and time. Those are two things that professional players do not normally have. So if they can rest him, I would, especially since, you know, this week I'd be starter starting Connor Juju and maybe Ebron because another play- player that Ben seemed to like, but again, I also don't think that Ben is able to sling it. I want to see how he came back from his elbow surgery and, with different throwing motion. I'm just, I really want to see how he does his first week. Brandon, I, you got an unlimited practice on Thursday after missing Wednesday. Debo Samuels missed both and he is out. Brandon, I, still pushing to play, but completely avoid. Do not start. Miss them over a month of practice. Patrick Peterson's still a thing. It is George Kittle season. Get him in your DFS lineup. Oh yeah, absolutely. George, George Kittle to the moon here. I think he is going to definitely beat out Kelsey's score from last night. And, He's just an amazing player. I think somebody that if you're looking at DFS, you should also look at Kendrick Bourne. He's going to kind of separate you from the crowd that is going to have a bunch of players that are hot names. And But again, don't know if it's going to be good or bad, but I think that he gets consistent targets and hopefully finds the end zone. 
very not chalky. But going back to the chalk, Devontae Parker limited all week with a hamstring. Expected to be full go. Preston Williams also limited all week with a knee. Admits he's not fully 100% following that ACL, which isn't great. However, he did put in a full practice Friday, taken off the injury report. And if he's healthy enough to be the team's primary punt returner, He's healthy enough to be confident in. However, we're fading both in week one. Patriots have elite corners, complete fade there. Patriots just gave Stephon Gilmore a $5 million pay increase. I couldn't be happier with him. He deserves that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a definitely a shutdown guy for you. I mean, he's super impressive. I mean, him and White are two of my favorite players to watch because they're always up in their faces and giving tight coverage. So. so fade the Dolphins is what I'm hearing. Back oh, to the Patriots, yeah. though. Nikhil Harry popped up on the injury report with a shoulder. He's still expected to play anyways. Meanwhile, Gunnar Olszewski's not going to play with a foot injury. So look for Demir Bird to have a little bit of a larger role. He's the only player who's actually caught passes from Cam Newton in a real game. Or really, Julian Edelman all day. Oh, man, you're missing out. James White all day. Oh, we're talking Continue. receivers. We're talking. We're in the receiver sections. We're past that. Whoa, whoa. James White is a receiver. Do not get yourself confused here, my friend. Okay, fair. Amari Cooper practicing full after a hamstring. I don't know. Classic Amari Cooper injury report. Moving on to the Jets, though. Brashad Perriman removed from the injury report following a knee swelling at the end of the camp. Denzel Mims looked like he was going to play this week, except he took a step back on Thursday. He has since been ruled out with that hamstring injury. But at least one of them's active. Thank goodness, because I can't stomach another Dante Moncrief start. Chris Hogan's fine enough. I've... Moncrief, no. That's where I draw the line. So either way, who are the only Jets we're looking at this weekend, if any? Um, Jamison Crowder and Chris Herndon as passing options. I mean, I guess if you yeah. really want Bell, <laughs> like I said, nope, I, I think I he's a wide, like a wide receiver. That would be the only other option, I guess. But again, it's Crowder and Herndon that are going to be the PPR options here, and that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, no. And Sam Darnold is going to be smoked all game. He's going to be hit a lot, and he's going to have to dump it off quickly, which is perfect for Crowder and Herndon. However, it's just not a sexy play at all. In much sexier plays, though, surprising news, no one said. Brian Edwards starts at X. Henry Ruggs will be at the Z. Henry Re Hunter Renfro will start in the slot. And people freaked out because they saw Brian Edwards on the injury report with a knee. However, we already talked about the fact that if you get treatment on any body part, you are on the injury report. He had a knee scope in November. Not really surprising he's on the injury report with a knee. He's probably getting follow-up maintenance. So let's just normalize this rehab injuries, rehabbing injuries properly, okay? Derek Carr finally has weapons. Mariota's not breathing down his neck. It's now or never. Yeah, and I mean, again, of the players, I really just want Renfro and Jacobs because I, I think that maybe you can look at Ruggs as a shining toy that they're on feed, but I think Edwards is just kind of out there trying to figure out how to run routes and what he's supposed to do. So I can see Renfro getting a majority of the work, then Ruggs being a close second. Completely agree. Jarvis Landry says his week one playtime will be dependent on the Browns game plan, but I'm pretty sure they plan to win. Jarvis Landry, 100% snap rate. Yeah, don't fool yourself here, okay? Landry's going to play. He played last year with it. He's going to play this year. Not worried a second. Exactly. And so it moves through a couple depth chart quick hitters here. John Ross listed as the wide receiver three in Cincinnati. I know, Jason, it is painful. Over Auden Tate and T. Higgins. A.J. Green says he's back to fully healthy. Moving to Jacksonville, Chris Conley listed to start over D.D. Westbrook. It sounds like D.D. has fallen out of favor. Police need also listed as a starter over Devin Duvernay. Do any of these stand out to you, Jason? Well, I mean, if you're looking at Jacksonville, we kind of already expected Chanel to have a pretty big role. He might be a good DFS play if you're looking for somebody to come up out of nowhere. Um, I am really surprised that Snead is listed as a starter because I really like Duvernay and his route running, but maybe it's just one of those things that they're slowly allowing him to come on and allow Duvernay to develop. Bad. It's that veteran deference as always. It's just the way it goes. Jalen Rager returned to practice on Wednesday and practiced in full Thursday and Friday. So apparently he's Wolverine. He's been taken off the injury report. And he might be playing. So I'm not. you're not playing him in fantasy, but that's exciting to look for from the rookie. Another exciting rookie that we were all hyped about in Oakland, Lynn Bowden has moved to wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins, and he can focus on just being a gadget player and become the next Taysom Hill. Moving yeah. on to the tight ends, Zach Ertz is sad about his contract. Apparently the Eagles lowered the offer they were giving him, but he's, they should have seen the writing on the wall. They drafted Dallas Goddard. They 
I don't know. They, they're not going to overpay for Ertz when they have Goddard behind them. Yeah, who's clearly a serviceable tight end, so not even something I'm going to worry about. Completely agree. Durham Smythe was listed as the first tight end on the <laughs> Dolphins depth chart over Mike Gusecki. Gusecki was also limited on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday with a glute injury. Is apparently no risk to miss the game. I'm kind of worried about that, though. Are you, Jason? Whoa. <laughs> Did not see that one coming. <laughs> but yeah, that that's pretty surprising. But we'll see. I mean, go for it. I don't know who else they're going to throw to, so might as well throw everybody out there. Oh, I completely agree with you. It is wild. Anyways, Ian Thomas is apparently fully healthy following his toe injury. Seahawks tight end Will Disley is apparently fully healthy off his Achilles injury. Ryan's have, or the Patriots have listed Ryan Izzo as their starting tight end. It's not going to happen. You ran a 4-2-9. It's Devin Aussie Aussie season. And finally, Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron has been getting a lot of hype around Pittsburgh. The team's reportedly opted to keep five receivers because they love Ebron so much. think he can play every position. I'm expecting a lot of touchdowns from him, a lot of drops from him, and a lot of inconsistency, which is why he's the perfect best ball tight end. Yeah, I mean, I think he could definitely be that option that you want to have in existence. I mean, you're going to just assume that he's going to be there. And again, Ben talked him up. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't yeah. feel good playing Eric Ebron, does it? No, it's a dirty play, but whatever. Go ahead and let's get out of this. Let's get to something more no. fun. Yeah, sorry, but we didn't talk about Eric Ebron too many times. It's you know, it's kind of like Beetlejuice. If you say Beetlejuice too many times, then Beetlejuice shows up. That's just what we did with Eric Ebron. We said Eric Ebron too many times, and now Steve's got to jump in and stop us. So, Steve, please help us get back on track. Our friends at Monkey Knife Fight combine the fun and excitement of daily fantasy sports with Vegas-style player prop bets for the ultimate weekly parlay. That's right, and there are three ways for you to play. Stat Shootout, Rapid Fire, and more or less. In Stat Shootout, you put together a two- or three-player team that'll accumulate the most of whatever stat type you've chosen to play, like touchdowns, total yards, receptions, etc. Then you choose one of the three target goals for that stat. If your team exceeds the chosen goal, then you win. And the higher the target goal that you choose, the more you can win. So if I choose a three-man team for touchdowns, I can set the target at one and a half touchdowns to pay out one and a half times the entry fee, or I can go big with a target of three and a half touchdowns to pay out 15 times the entry. I mean, obviously you go big or you go home. Obviously. Then there's rapid fire, where you select your team by choosing the highest scoring player in multiple head-to-head matchups of statistical categories, like who has more receptions this week, Michael Thomas or Julio Jones? Each contest will tell you how many matchups you need to get right in order to win. But again, more risk, the higher the reward. Sure, I mean, I only need to get two out of three matchups right to win one and a half times my entry. But if I can get five out of five, I'm looking at that 15 times payout again. You can buy me a lot of John U. Smith jerseys with that money, Neil. You sure can. Finally, there's more or less. And this is your basic Vegas over-under. Just depending on the contest, you'll be giving two to six players and their statistic targets for the game, like Cam Newton with 233 and a half passing yards against Miami. You have to decide if that player will get more or less than that target. But just like the others, more or less increases the payout the more risk you take. However, it offers the highest return as well. So you can go two for two to get that basic one and a half times payout if that's what you want to play. But if you've got the nerve you can attempt to go six for six and hit the 30 times payout. So many Janu jerseys. Well, the only thing better than winning money from Monkey Knife Fight is getting money from Monkey Knife Fight for free. Oh, do love the free. Just go to Monkey Knife Fight to sign up for a free account. When you make your first deposit, use promo code NONSENSE. That's promo code NONSENSE. And Monkey Knife Fight will match your deposit up to $50. This is literally playing with house money, guys. So go to Monkey Knife Fight and use promo code NONSENSE, N-O-N-S-E-N-S-E, and get in on the action this weekend. It is time for the moment you've all been waiting for. You can tell how much pain I am in right now. I'm stuttering. It's the most grinding moment of my week. It's the time where I let Jason be in charge. So Jason went to the Fantasy Life app, got us some questions 
from you all you lovely people but he's in charge still so please i hope you ask good questions and i hope you save me it's jason's question corner yeah here we go <laughs> um so we'll start off with a interesting one kid cutty 55 asked how do we feel about drafting cam are we worried about him busting oh nope <laughs> So to answer your second question first, because it is the easiest one. No, I am absolutely not worried. We are fired the F up on Cam Newton, especially week one. He's playing the Dolphins. And yeah, so they yeah, they signed Byron Jones. They signed Kyle Van Noy. Big free agent contracts, upgraded the defense, but there's still massive holes on the D-line and linebacker. Cam is going to have no problem running all over them. And that's not even without talking about the secondaries. Secondary strong on the outside, but they have rookie Noah Igbenogany making his first career start. He's had nine padded practices, and now he's going to be one-on-one -on -one with Julian Edelman. How is that going to work? One of the craftiest, dirtiest veterans in the league, and you're a rookie with nine padded practices. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree here. Cam is the guy. I think he is a great guy that you could literally get for free in most drafts. I mean, a lot of people yeah. aren't taking it. And I so, have. So yeah. if you got him, great. I have. This is a game I'm a little nervous because I do think they get up quick and I'm You're just hoping, nervous. you know, I'm just hoping he runs a couple in, like you said, but we'll see. It's just one nice. of those things. And just a reminder, too, that he next he gets the Seahawks, Raiders, Chiefs, and Broncos, and none of those are good defenses, especially the Broncos have lost several starters. So five easy starts from Cam, and then we have to worry about him facing the Bills and 49ers, but by that point, we'll know if we want to start him or not. We love Cam. Yeah, agree. It's one of those things. Speaking of things, we've kind of covered it all, but a lot of people are asking about players that they should play or not play. So, for example, David Montgomery this weekend. Are you trusting him to go, or what are you kind of looking at here? Because it's been one of the bigger ones. It has been David Montgomery, Kenny Galladay, Jalen Rager, and Mike Evans. So that those are the big players. Are you wanting to play them this week? Ah, uh, so that this pains me to say, and it's tough, and I could. So I'm probably just going to sit them all because I'm that worried about all their injuries that even if they do play they're going to leave the game at some point. So uh, my hope for David Montgomery is we do see him get about eight carries, maybe two targets just to work him back in slowly. That's what I'd love to see, but I don't want him in fantasy because I don't think that's going to translate Jalen Rager. It sounds like he's full go, but he's a rookie receiver in a new offense with a truncated off season. I'm not starting him no matter what. I wasn't going to start him beforehand. Probably not going to start him now, or definitely not going to start him now. Deshaun Jackson all the way instead. And then Kenny and Mike, it just, it feels so painful to sit them on your bench. However, if they get hurt and they miss the game, you're going to feel terrible having them in your lineup. And if they do play the game and they are full go, you're just going to feel good that you have them for the rest of the season. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, more often than not, I mean, it's going to hurt to sit Evans, but there are some great options that we'll get to here coming up, but it's just one of those things that you want to keep in mind because, wow, it's going to be tough for them on their injuries especially. I'm just nervous about them week one. I'd rather have them for the rest of the season, which I also assume is how the coaches are thinking here. Completely agree with you. Sit them in fantasy, sit them in real life. So those were two fantastic questions, and most of the questions do carry on to our next segment. And uh, once again, unfortunately, nothing can save us from what's about to happen. It is trust or bust with the nerd. Go ahead, Jason. Oh, man, I'm pumped. We're back here. Trust or bust segment put together by Stephen Neal. This is where we put the trust. They are players that are started in less than 50% of leagues. So if you don't have them in, they might be somebody that you want to put in at quarterback, tight end, and defense. You're looking at top 12 players. These are going to be players that are outside for your trust and inside for your bust. So, and then at running back, it's the top 24 and wide receiver is top 36. So hopefully you guys understood that. We'll see how this goes. My first trust I am super pumped for Jared Goff gets to play against the Dallas defense. I am pumped. Super, He's, super pumped in Jared Goff. Interesting. I am. This is going to be a good one. The last time these two met was in the middle of December of 2018. Wait, 2019. Whoa. Long time ago. Dallas won 44 to 21. The team struggled with running the ball, which may be a similar issue. I'm hoping that Cam Makers kind of helps here. But the team, the Cowboys lost Sean Lee. So 
It makes a golf an interesting play. He was only able to throw one touchdown, but he also put up 270 yards. So I think if that touchdown number goes up, it's going to be even better. And it should, because, oh man, Dallas has a lot of weapons. So it's going to be a foot race. Jason, Jason, Jason. I'm just kidding. That was a great take. So the only risk here is golf throwing a pick six and the, uh, the Cowboys have already lost their top cornerback from last year, Byron Jones, and they cut the starting safety in ha ha Clinton Dick. So as long as he doesn't pull the Jameis Winston pick six, I am in on Jared Goff because he's going to be slinging it. Cowboys defense is bad. Rams defense is bad. Both quarterbacks are going to have to throw the deep ball a lot. We are starting golf this week. We are starting Robert Woods. We are starting Cooper Cup. We are starting Tyler Higby. And we are starting – no, okay, we're not starting Van Jefferson. We got a bit carried away. But those receivers and Jared Goff, yes, we are starting. Let's wait on Van Jefferson. Let's wait on Cam Akers. All right. More importantly, if you want somebody you're not willing to take golf, I completely get it. Go with somebody who's even more safe. Teddy Bridgewater is the definition. Here we go. He doesn't turn the ball over, and in this game, he is easily going to throw over 200 yards. I would not even be surprised. 200. I know. I'm being safe here, and I think he's going to have, oh, wait, three touchdowns. So it's just one of those things. He's a safe floor play. He's going to be chasing points because of Carr. I mean, Carr's going to throw the ball. So, and against that defense that I am not scared of, I doubt Teddy is going to be scared of, I can see him just owning this team and going for it. Safe is underselling what you're getting from Teddy Bridgewater. I do want to establish that. 200 yards is a lot. That's easily going to happen. Christian McCaffrey's getting 100 plus. DJ Moore's getting 100 plus. So that is over 200 yards, Jason. Just do the math. Anyways, you're completely underselling Teddy Bridgewater. When you go on a date, you want to undersell yourself. You don't want to overhype yourself. So when I go on dates, I try to get my friends to just hype me the medium amount. You are completely underselling Teddy Bridgewater. And the best part about this is the Raiders reloaded on offense. They have a terrible defense. They have a second-year corner, Trayvon Mullen, a rookie corner, Damon Arnett. How are those guys going to handle DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson? They're not. It's just not going to happen. Robbie Anderson's not elite by any means, but he's one of the best deep receivers in the league. Yeah, and I mean, even then, you're. what about CMC? That's another person you kind of have right there, right? He's going to be another player that's going to be able to score. Completely. Move on to your next quarterback, though, Jason. Okay. Going to be kind of not surprising, but Phillip Rivers joining a new team oh, is course. always scary. However, last year he w- was able to put up 33 points against the Jaguars with Foles in their first meeting. So just something to keep in mind. Granted, he did lose to Minshew, but whatever. Uh, we'll see how this goes. The Jags defense <laughs> has gotten worse, and Rivers is a step up over Jacoby Brissett. I think overall he's going to do a lot better than Jacoby did last year and they're just going to run over it. So again, I'm a little nervous just because I can see them leaning on Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor here. Yeah, you are such a homer, but honestly it's okay because anyone playing the Jaguars is we're honestly okay starting. So TY Hilton manned up against rookie cornerback CJ Henderson. He gave up over 19 yards of catch in the SEC last year. What's Hilton going to do to him? So yeah, the only worry is the rushing offense takes over. Rivers doesn't score those touchdowns because the rushing game is so efficient, but I am very excited. Let's move on to what we're not excited about, though. Let's give us some busts. Yeah, and I kind of touched on it earlier, but Ben Roethlisberger, I'm just so nervous for him. First game back, elbow injury. Granted, I do feel like the team will probably lean on their excellent defense against the Giants, and I could also see them to try and control the clock and use Connor a lot in this game. I mean, it's just one of those things that he has a lot of time. I'm a little nervous just because Jones, Daniel Jones has a lot of weapon on the other side, so there is some potential upside, but I'm not believing him to be my top 12 quarterback. Can we just wait on Ben before we start him? Like, can we just see it? If it was a regular offseason and we had seen him through the summer, we had seen him in preseason, yeah, but we just don't know, and there's just we've listed so many other options. Just go with that. Yeah, and another bust I'm nervous about is actually Kyler Murray. I mean, last year, his games against them were rough. I mean, threw for 240 yards and 150 yards in their two meetings, and he also threw two touchdowns. Like, those are not numbers that blow me away. So just somebody I'm also worried about starting week one. 
Uh, I think I think you're a little bit overstating it because the 49ers did get worse on defense. They did trade for DeForest Buckner, and they do have a rookie start against not going to be the same. And they're also missing their starting slot corner in K1 Williams, so I am excited about Christian Kirk. But your overarching point does make sense. Kenyon Drake was more on the game plan last year than Kyler Murray. We'll see what happens on Sunday. I do agree with sitting him. Moving on to running backs, though, Jason. What do we got? Yeah, you're not going to like this. It's uh, Zach Moss. I know it's risky. Rookie, I already brought it up, but man, it's the Jets. And I just, last time they played, Frank Gore got handed the ball 11 times for 20 yards. Like, that's not great efficiency here. So I think Moss is going to do a lot better. And that's the role that they kind of got him, drafted him for is to fill in that role. He's a much better player than Gore. He's a lot more explosive. And I just think that he's going to end up taking over that position. So. Hopefully he uh, finds the end zone and should probably guess guessing around 70 yards. It's just so ballsy. Like you, you're hyping a player that's only going to be getting about 50% of the carries at best. And he's going to lose goal line work to Josh Allen. So I'm not very in on the rookies in week one, minus Antonio Gibson for the most part and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire as we saw last night. But I, I don't know. I'm not in on that one. Sorry, Jason. Can you change my mind with your next pick? Oh, yeah. I think this one you're clearly going to co-sign on because it's Marlon Mack. Last year in his first game against the Jaguars, Mack had 14 attempts for 109 yards and a touchdown. In the next meeting, he had rushed 15 times for 77 yards, oh, wait, and two touchdowns. I think both of these things are very reasonable for what to have again against this even worse Jaguar defense. My only worry is that, like Williams last year, who had 14 attempts, Jonathan Williams, sorry, last year, had 14 attempts and a 119 yards. I think that Taylor could easily do that. And that kind of makes me nervous. So I'm not like, once again, I'm not going to fault you for playing guys against the Jaguars, but Jason, you're bragging about the Honda civic sitting in your driveway. When you've got a Ferrari in your garage, Marlon Max, the Dion Lewis, Jonathan Taylor's Derrick Henry. So we all remember that Derrick Henry game where he had that 99 yard run, but Dion Lewis also had 10 carries that game. So he only had 13 yards on those carries. Marlon Mack's going to be way better than that, but it's going to be like a 10 to 15 carry game. I don't know. Jonathan Taylor all the way. All right. Well, whatever. Well, we'll move on to bust because <laughs> you're going to laugh here. Devin Singletary. I know it's crazy. Yeah. yeah, it's not crazy. I agree. <laughs> but again, I'm worried about Moss eating into his value, taking away touchdowns as well as Allen. And, you know, he only had one game against the Jets, and that one game he got four carries for 70 yards and five receptions for 28 yards. So if he's losing receptions to Moss and losing goal line carries like you did with Gore, it's just something I'm seeing here. Okay, so you're worried about Devin Singletary because Zach Moss and Josh Allen are going to steal from him, but you're not worried about Zach Moss because Devin Singletary and Josh Allen aren't going to steal from him. So I agree with you on the bust, but I don't agree with you on the trust, Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, moving on, we'll check out Melvin Gordon. That's my next bust. I think he's going to have a tough tight going against a tough Titan Titans defense. Wow, I'm struggling to say today. But he is on a new team. We aren't sure what he's going to be. I mean, I don't know what his role is going to be. And because of the fact that I think they're going to be losing with the loss of Sutton, especially. I'm worried that he is going to struggle. I mean, last time, granted, it was with the Chargers. Gordon was handed the ball 16 times and only had 32 yards. So that makes me very nervous. And on one of those carries, he broke a tackle and got 16 yards on that one run. Oof. So Yeah, not trusting Melvin Gordon this game as well. The Broncos are looking really messy right now, and that O-line wasn't good to begin with. Let's move on to wide receivers, though. Yeah, the trust is pretty easy here. Deshaun Jackson. I mean, granted, Rager is allegedly back. Jeffrey is still gone. And you saw the stat, if you haven't, it's kind of crazy. In his past two season openers, Jackson has had eight receptions for 150 yards and two touchdowns against Washington and five receptions, 146 yards and two touchdowns with Tampa versus the Saints. I mean, kind of hard not to love this guy. No, I Totally agree. I have nothing to add to that. Sign, sealed, delivered, full send. Yep. So next I have Darius Slayton. He has a potential lack of Tate playing. I think this in increases his target share. I, I He has the talent. He seemed to have a great connection with Daniel Jones last year. 
Granted, I do think that Shepard kind of helps with the tape roll, so he's going to be getting some looks there, which annoys me a little bit. But I do have him for around five receptions and 70 yards with a touchdown, so should easily put him up near the top. I'll, I'll agree with that. I do like Darius Slayton quite a bit. I do think he's the wide receiver one there. So, wow, both of your receivers in the trust this section are actually pretty good. All right, let's see if you can nail the bust as well. Oh, man, you missed out on my favorite trust, though, is Hunter Renfro. Of course, I should have have known you would bring him up. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's hear your Hunter Renfro bit. All right, looking at a second-year player, love his situation. He started to come on towards the end and had 200-yard games against the Chargers and Broncos. But again, in both those games, he also had a touchdown. So it's something that I think is there. He started to come on, and it's his second year. So I think his experience in unconventional route running makes him a quiet player that can easily be a top 36 here. Once again, Jason opts for the Honda Civic sitting in his driveway when he's got the Ferrari in the garage. Give me Hunter, or not, sorry. Don't give me Hunter Renfro. Give me Henry Ruggs instead. Yeah, too many options there. Looking at busts, man, it's AJ Green. I do not like his health. I am worried if he plays, he will actually get uh, Hayward and ends up getting neutralized here. The Chargers yeah. will likely try and control the clock and run the ball because that's their game script, which is going to drive me crazy because they always end up having to come back towards the end, and I'm not a fan of that. Yeah, so a guy who's just coming off injury – and now he's got a really tough defense. I'm, I'm fading it. Complete fade. Fade Tyler Boyd, too. He's facing an elite slot corner in either Chris Harris or Desmond King. Whoever's there, it's an elite one. So, yeah, let's fade it. CJ Zoma game. Let's go. Yeah, and even Joe Mixon here, I think, which makes me want to throw up a little bit in my mouth. But, again, Mixon should be fine because they haven't really improved there. So, my last one, I know I kind of covered it. Devontae Parker. He's going against the Bills. Wow, not a fan of this. Uh, oh, he's going. He's sorry. He's going against the Patriots, but still, same yeah, point stands. Wow, you don't want to go against those AFC East corners. You don't want Tre'Davious White, and you don't want Stephon Gilmore. Yeah, so pretty easy there. I mean, granted, he had one good game against them, but I think it was kind of fluky. So we'll not worry about it there. Um, going on to tight ends, though, Jack Doyle again. Rivers will favor Doyle. This is kind of what he does. I think he should get around eight targets based on what has happened in the past with Ebron not being there and now Burton being out. Wouldn't be surprised if he also grabs a TD. Well, and a fun fact that a friend of mine told me, Philip Rivers has only had one year where he didn't have a tight end one. It was last year where Hunter Henry was hurt. I wonder who told me that. I can't no idea. I just, can't believe I just called you a friend. Also, Keenan Allen, shortest player to go for 1,000 yards with Phillip Rivers, and he's 6'2", and Jack Doyle's 6'5", and T.Y. Hilton's 5'9", and Paris Campbell's six foot. So by default, it's Doyle. Hey, he's going for 1,000 yards this year? Cool. Let's Glad go. we agree. Moving on. <clears throat> yep. Eric Ebron, just because Ben likes him, I think it's going to be a close target for him, and it's just one of those things that because of the throwing motion in the surgery, I want to see it. but. He seems to he had Vance last year and really liked him, so I wouldn't be surprised if he goes on to Ebron here. Yeah, all you're looking for is a touchdown that tight end, anyways, right? Yep, pretty much. And again, you know, talking about great games here, great game scripts. I'm looking at Blake Jarwin going. Of for, course, you are. You know it in the shootout. I think he's going to be one of the guys who comes out of the slot and is able to score. I mean, Witten took four receptions for 36 yards and a touchdown last time, so easily something that Jarvin could do and probably have more yards at it. So uh, more like Jar lose. Am I right? Oh, uh, but for real, it is a shootout versus the Rams. They lost their starting inside linebacker, Corey Littleton to the Raiders lost uh, rookie linebacker, Tra- Traven Howard to a torn meniscus earlier this month. He was competing for a role. So they're starting Micah Kaiser and Troy reader. And I haven't heard of either of them. So Jarwin and lamb are gonna eat. Yeah. It's not going to be pretty for them. Uh, no, the only player I'm fading on the Cowboys is Amari Cooper. He's getting the Jalen Ramsey treatment. Yeah, not a fan of that. <clears throat> but moving on to bust, I, I know it's going to be crazy, but I'm going with Rob Gronkowski here. I mean, I don't know how people are starting him already, but... It's... Why is that crazy, Jason? I don't think that's crazy. I think the people that are starting Gronk are crazy. Don't give yourself credit. Okay, but they forgot the Buccaneers have three tight ends on their roster. Cameron Brate, OJ yeah. Howard, and Rob Gronkowski. And it seems that, you know, Brady has talked up Howard of the players. 
I don't know if you guys remember, Gronk took a year off and wrestled. So he's not in football shape in my mind. So until he gets acclimated to playing against other teams, like with a real defense and real coverage, I am going to worry about him. So again, oh, completely. Can we just see it? Yeah. We just see it. Yeah. That's the goal. We just, some of these players, you just want to wait on. And yeah, these guys coming off injury, you just want to actually see it happen again. And like, I love Gronk, but I'm not surprised if the Charmin and CBD lead them to score three touchdowns a game. But I don't know what this is going to look like. So let's just wait. And surprisingly, the other, my other bus is Noah Fant. Team facing the Titans, just sound, signed Clowney, worried about Locke, not having time. And with Sutton gone, I'm even more worried. So I think it's going to be Judy and maybe Gordon or Lindsay that are going to take targets. I'm not really sure, but I don't think that Fant... I think Vance going to actually end up being a field stressor or even, I guess, maybe Deshaun Hamilton or Tim Patrick. None of these players I really like. So I think Vance going to be covered. That's a balance of feeding him targets with Sutton gone or hurting versus everyone else is bad and they can focus on Noah Fant. So Tim Patrick is the wide receiver too. There's going to be a lot of attention on Fant. So I do agree with you here. It's unfortunate. I do like Noah Fant, but I agree with you here. So that's going to do it from us here on the Important Nonsense Podcast. Thank you for dealing with us with Jason's section. I know it is painful to get through as always, but what a week, what a time to be alive. So Jason, do you have any parting words for all your adoring fans as we head out into our first Sunday of the NFL season? Yes, please be patient with me on Sunday. I get a lot of questions. I try and answer as many as I can, but I am there from 7 until 11.50, so I have time to set my lineups too. So I'll be there for you guys on Sunday morning. Hit me up, start sit community or on Twitter. I'll be here all weekend if you can. I will do what I can to keep you guys up to date. Jason, how dare you take time out for yourself to set your own lineups? You are so selfish. I can't believe you. No, I am completely kidding. Don't forget to follow Jason. It's at that FF nerd, but it's really important you follow him because he gives great advice. He's always there, always supportive. We don't get along on the show, but he does give some pretty good fantasy advice. So at least I got to give him credit there. Yeah, I know this is the last time you'll be getting kind words, Jason. Don't worry. It's, I'm in a good mood because it's football season. But anyways, as always, I've been your host, Jack Kavanaugh. You can find me at all the socials at Jaffanaugh87. Be sure to come back next week. You're going to hear more of me and Jason bickering as you got used to last year. But one of the good things about 2020 is you can tune in for our brand new show where I, along with my co-host at the real NWB, the important nonsense IDP expert, Mr. Nee Wallace Bruce, and our other co-host at Dynasty PhD, the important nonsense dynasty expert, Dr. John Chansey. So we'll recap the, all of Sunday's action uh, and the Monday morning for or, We'll recap all of Sunday's action for your Monday morning commute. It's really exciting. These guys are absolutely brilliant, and I'm just going to be there to follow along. So be sure to keep up with that. Be sure to keep up to date with us at importantnonsense.com and at NonsenseFF on Twitter and Instagram for daily news and articles. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a generous five-star rating and review. But if you didn't enjoy it, blame Jason. Send him all of your hate tweets. Hey, now. That's rude. Ah, well, deal with it. It's my show. I get to decide. I make the rules. Aww. Sorry, Jason. But most importantly, don't forget to keep up the nonsense. And let's all enjoy week one. Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz, and you can find all the guys at importantnonsense.com. Kaboom!